0: Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Here at the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their passion. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young business leaders, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Yui and I want to welcome you to podcast number 44. This podcast is going to be a little bit different uh, because I've officially caught up on all my guests. And so today I'm going to be sharing with you one of the uh, mentor forums that we had, I think it was last year with Jeff Davis of U.S. Beef Course. So he actually uh, took the time to sit down and talk to our group. We got together and had lunch with him and he kind of shared his story, how he got into things uh, that he's doing. And then also. Opened it up to a question and answer. So I'll be releasing both of those. Uh, if you're not a member of YBT, I, I strongly encourage you guys to check it out, if, especially if you're in the Tulsa area. Uh, opportunities like this don't come along very often when you have uh, the chance to speak with and have lunch with a, a very high caliber uh, businessman in the area. And so these mentor forums are one of the things that really separates our group from a lot of the other organizations out there. You get a chance to learn. From the best and actually spend time with them so uh, today you're going to get to hear uh, what one of those mentor forums is like and so with that I'm going to turn it over to Jeff okay. thank you
1: really nice. well thank you for let me uh, be here and talk with you all on behalf of all of our employees We're, we've got almost close to 8,000 employees now so uh, I want to thank you, I hope you've eaten at Arby's and hope you continue to eat at Arby's so we can continue building Arby's and providing jobs and everything else. So I think our our our, rest, our family got into the restaurant business, my dad and mom, basically, uh, back in about 1955 or so. Uh, at 31st in Sheridan, there was uh, a, a drive-in, it, it's a, uh, donut place now, but it's got two stars on the top of it. It used to be called Dubar's Drive-In, and when we had it, it had three stars, and my dad got really tired. He was working for Swift and Company, and he got really tired of being just, gosh, his bosses would always take credit for anything that he did. He never got raises. He never got any. Uh, even a look at, you know, from the superiors, head. plus he would, you know, expect him to leave at Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner and deliver steak or whatever, pork roast to some, you know, some guy's house and all that stuff. And they decided they wanted to have their own business so they could treat the people the way they wanted to be treated. They, they always felt like that uh, if, you, if you hire the right people, and they're really hard workers, they become family, and you could build anything off of really good, hard-working people. And uh, so that would log for a long time, but they ended up with, gosh, some of my babysitters actually worked at, the, uh, at Dubars Drive-In, but, uh, uh, but they ended up with some really good young kids that were going to Edison High School at the time, was pretty much the closest high school, as well as Hale. And uh, they, uh, you know, did pretty well. And then the uh, city came through and tore up Yale from thirty-first to forty-first. So you couldn't get you couldn't you couldn't get across Yale. So it's all four all four leg. So that really kind of almost put about of business. And then once they finished that, they uh, decided they were going to build the Broken Arrow Expressway. <laughs> so that was the end of it. They couldn't. They just couldn't exist anymore without any any way to get to their restaurant. So, how well, they fiddled around, and we were uh, grew up uh, not poor, but uh, I guess my dad, mom would probably say poor, because they were looking for every penny under the couch that they could. Uh, there were five kids, and they all wanted to go to college, and you know all that stuff, and uh, uh, so they just never went bankrupt or anything, he just kept it going. Anyway, they ended up at Sheridan Lane's Bowling Alley. That's uh, 31st uh, Sheridan, if you remember that. Or, I, I guess right it's, there, just, did you? Yeah, and we had Sheridan Lane's Bowling Alley restaurant. It's called Sheridan Lane's Restaurant. Now back then, that was all brand new. For everything from about, uh, oh, Yale East was all brand new. They, there were no houses or nothing out there. so. Uh, that became the spot for all the mailmen and all the construction workers, Cheryl A's restaurant. And uh, had a, built up a great local business as well as the bowlers that would drink tons of beer at night and eat tons of hammers and hot dogs and things like that. Uh, but uh, uh, they were just getting, Dad was getting ready to make some real money there. And uh, the owner of the bowling alley kicked him out, wouldn't renew his lease right before the state bowling tournament, so Mm. crushed him. So he wandered around a little bit and uh, worked at uh, Burger Chef Cafeteria. There was one at 4th and uh, uh, Boulder, no, 4th and Boston. But well, kind of in between there. Uh, And uh, it's hard, you guys, don't know what downtown Tulsa looked like, uh, but it was really a bustling. That's where you, that was before Woodlands Mall and before Southland and South Road Mall and all that stuff. But that was where you went to shop there in Unica Square, and uh, so uh, it was really still booming downtown. It, gosh, we did a lot of business down there, and we learned a lot about volume, and uh, we knew a lot about no volume. But finally, when we got there, we knew what, uh, what volume did to your P and L and what have you. And then um, one of his friends went to work to Arby's, for Arby's, and the guy said, Bob, you ought to come over here to Arby's. This is a new concept. They sell roast beef sandwiches. It's a real simple operation. Uh, Roast beef sandwich was 79 cents. Shake was 31, Jamocha shake was 31 cents. Chips were 10 cents, and Pepsi's were 25. And that was it, that's all we had on the menu. So three of us could run the store for 24 hours at only with only three people if we needed to. Uh, so got into that, uh, Arby's eventually went bankrupt and wrote him a letter and said, sorry, Bob, uh, if the new owners like you, you've got a job, but if they don't, you know. But they put him through hell, uh, treated him really bad, like kind of an Oklahoma hick, I guess you would say. Uh, when, he, uh, when he went, he said, well, you can't do that to me. Uh, you know, I've got five kids that so want to go to college, et etc." et cetera. So, okay, we'll give you two weeks. So we bought my father a, a navy blue jacket. He never had a sports coat and we all pitched in all our pennies and all our piggy bakes, everything else. Got him a flight to Youngstown, Ohio, uh, where Arby's was headquartered. They gave him two weeks. So he bet that two week uh, time period. Uh, he had a private, uh, the guy that we had known for a long, long time, uh, loaned him some money and, uh, he came up with some money, and, and uh, we were able to buy it, and actually opened the restaurant in 1969. Is when United States Beef Corporation came along. So, sorry, I got to dry my today. U.S. Beef. Does anyone know what Arby stands for? No. Yeah. Tell us. Oh, yeah. Anyone? Huh? Not like you really have worked on this, right? Uh, everyone says America's Roast Beef, yes sir, which was one of our uh, uh, marketing programs probably 25 or 30 years ago. It's uh, Raffle Brothers Equipment Company. Two guys had an a old restaurant equipment company, and uh, they, uh, uh, they couldn't, you, uh, you, know, you can't get a trademark on letters, so they had to spell it out, A-R-B-Y-S. That was in 1964. Uh, that that occurred but anyway so we started in 1969 and uh, built our second that was a 42nd Peoria Uh, 1971 uh, we built a store at uh, out at 48th and Memorial Um, and we put an ice cream stand in it because we were afraid if we couldn't sell enough roast beef sandwiches there that maybe ice cream would subsidize it somehow especially during the summer and it turned out to be a real big winner and uh, then our third store I did, I went to the University of Tulsa while I was working. And uh, uh, the, uh, during minimester, you know, you get the month of January off, I built our third store, uh, as at 51st Yale. Uh, it's just kind of one, one store at a time. Until we built our sixth store, which is uh, uh, at 11th College. And we did so much volume out of that one store that uh, we did ten thousand dollars the first week, and so uh, we took twenty five hundred, twenty five hundred, twenty five hundred, twenty five hundred, and went and put that down on more four more locations in Tulsa. And about that time, uh, o, uh, OPEC had uh, started you, you stopping oil from coming over here. They decided they were going to crush America and everything else. So about every. Tulsa and Oklahoma City had the most gas stations per capita of anywhere in the world and so they all started closing so we started picking up the gas stations you know there's I think mean, back then that was uh, you know early 70s there were probably three gas stations on every every corner a lot of times there were four and uh, but they just started closing so we went in it picked up. Uh, Oh, uh, at least one of the gas stations. So, you know, one time, I think I had at 71st uh, Memorial, right when uh, uh, within, uh, the mall was, was really going well, I think I had four, six stores at that one, five restaurants at that one kind of area right there, just because of the people, you know. Arby's, I never felt like, you know, for you marketing guys, it, it's, it's, a, it's all about penetration and generate enough dollars and cents to be on radio and television twelve months out of the year, with at least a thousand or fifteen hundred point, uh, you know, message, and so that's every market we've got into. We just kind of held our breath and kept our fingers crossed and hope we got to that level where we could be on TV all the time. And so that kind of did it for us. And so then that you, puts you into a, a different, you know, a different class, not just not peach hamburgers or something like that. Uh, so that's really kind of the way we got started. We've grown, uh, we've grown a lot of different ways. We've grown uh, one store at a time. Uh, we bought uh, 18 Jack in the Boxes at one time uh, when they decided huh. that. No, no, this is probably a 1980 or so. Oh. Yeah. And uh, they all well, Jack in the Box had the food poisoning. Yeah. They moved everything west of the uh, Mississippi. They closed pretty much everything except in Arizona and California. So we picked up a lot of those and converted them. We've converted a lot of gas stations, uh, which everyone laughs at, you know. The big joke was, you know, you serve your sauce in the gas pumps and you know, all that stuff, which, ha ha, funny, but that, man, that was the other store. That was another, you know, our AUVs back then were probably about six or $700,000 a year and, and uh, that really banged off a lot of dollars for advertising. Uh, and, uh, did, uh, but just kind of one at a time. Then uh, we went to uh, Wichita and Topeka and bought uh, six stores there and then developed it. We probably got 25 or 30 uh, in that area. Did the same thing in Kansas City, bought a guy out who was a crazy man Uh, It had, we never could figure out how many restaurants he was selling us, so (laughs) finally we had (laughs) He was a quick talker. A guy from Tulsa, Bishop Kelly, if anyone (laughs) would. Bishop Kelly. Uh, He, uh, uh, yeah, he just, uh, anyway, so we've done a nice job up in Kansas City. We have about uh, close to 55, I think, stores there. uh, then we went to St. Louis in 2000, and uh, there were I think 24 there. We closed six or eight of them, and started building all around, and, and uh, yeah, it's turned out really well there. So the, the latest acquisition uh, was um, a friend of mine in Denver, Colorado. They had all of all of Colorado and Wyoming and uh, uh, Idaho and uh, Wy- uh, uh the oh well, what's next to uh, Wyoming? Montana. Montana. No, not Montana. To the huh? Oh well, I'll take out a minute. <laughs> Utah. Utah. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. It, it's uh, not actually in Utah, but it's in the Utah market. But, oh. Yeah. But uh, uh, so you know, things have been going pretty well. We turned them over. Uh, we first thing we do would we, we went into each one of the times that we've. Uh, bought people out is, uh, we give all the employees everything that they were used to with a previous employer, all the benefits they were used to and everything else. Mm -hmm. And the only, and everyone has been happy, except for when we bought the Colorado people out. They had huge benefits, I mean it was like crazy. Uh, So we probably over time have kind of tried to pull those back a little bit because you just can't afford them, you know. And, uh, but it's it's been, uh, it's been doing well. I think St. Louis uh, first market, the second year comp sales were up 64%. Uh, St. Louis, uh, I don't know what we were in in the Western side, but uh, I know we have to be up 25 or so percent over the previous owners, so good deal. so anyway, so uh, that is, is pretty much why we kind of got into the business. Uh, uh, we've got, uh, uh, you know, like I said, almost 8,000 uh, 8, people. I think they just hit 7,500 about a month or two ago. And with subertype, you know, that's usually when you hire up a little bit. So we may be closer to the 8,000, 8, which is just amazing. But one of the real reasons, again, like I had mentioned with Swift and Company, my dad, is we got into this business to make sure that we got the best people we could find. And whatever they did for us or did to us, you know, we've had a lot of thieves (laughs) over the years and a lot of inside, you know, jobs, uh, no matter what we were going to treat our people as well as we possibly could. We were gonna try to pay them as well as we could. And we were going to open up as many restaurants as we could, not only just to get market presence, but uh, if you think about it, the restaurant industry is the only, or one of the last (coughs) industries in the country where you can have no education, no high school even, be an immigrant with not even speaking the language uh, or even convicted of something, that you could go and open your own restaurant, open your own business, and uh, be able to, you know, join the middle-class America. That's what's happened, I think. my opinion, that's what's happened to America, is that we're, we've, we're losing the middle class. So through government regulations and what have you, we're not being able to uh, it's it 's not a free market out there with all the minimum wage stakes bit of a wage i don 't know we probably pay what would you say probably how many is at your store probably three seven. people seven yeah seven is days. that the i know but how many people are at that very many about ten yeah, yeah This stores have twenty yeah yeah, so uh, you know less than half of our a lot less than half are making a bit of a wage and if they're at bit of wage they shouldn't be there more than about three months until we can make sure you're okay and it's the first job you know half of Americans have gotten their first job in restaurants. restaurant eighty percent of Congress which I don't know if that's good or not and <laughs> worked in has worked at restaurants at some time in their uh, career and uh if you, uh, National Restaurant Association did a survey and uh, 80% of the people that work at restaurants were proud of their job and 85% said that they could see it as being a future for them. Which back when Bill Clinton, for example, when he was president, he called them hamburger flippers that would amount to nothing. Well, a good assistant manager, especially if this uh, new overtime deal goes through, a manager will be up to, uh, oh, over, I think it's a three or four year step up, but could be up to $55,000, uh, you know, here in the next three months. Uh, and if minimum wage, which they made into a state's issue, I don't think we'll ever get what here in Oklahoma, but still the market will determine how much you pay your people. Minimum wage, that, you know, we think, but we look at minimum wage as just the beginning, and we want to get you up if you're good. Uh and train, but to get you to hire you, and you could be the best kid in the world, and it's your first job, and throw you out on a cash register, to not train you properly, and not tell you how to work the cash register. For example, I call it, still call it, cash register, the POS system. The how embarrassed are they when their friends come in to see them at their first job, or their mom and dad, when they, they're, uh, they're trying to punch in your order and no one's ever showed them how to do it? And, you know, they feel stupid. So a lot of the turnover we have is because we haven't trained our people properly. Uh, but at any rate, um, it's, uh, it is a, anybody can make it in the restaurant business. Anybody could make enough money in the restaurant business uh, to do well and join the middle class. And like I said, growing up very, very poor myself, uh, we just, you know, it's just a dream come true. And so one of the things that we, we do is, you know, we believe opening, providing jobs is big. Uh, we believe in giving to the community as well as giving to, nationally giving to the community and helping everybody that we can. For example, there are 660 franchisees, and I've been chairman of the Franchisee Association for several years. So, anytime they would to come in and look at our accounting system, you know, because a guy with a couple of restaurants didn't have a chance to, uh, you know, to put in a big accounting IT system or anything like that. So, I'm just kind of skipping through the Arby's part. Is that all right? Any questions so far? How, how do you think that new law about salaried employees is really going to affect your bottom line? Because even as a small business,
0: I'm really looking at it and going, this this is going to be this is going to be a big jump. To when you you know you've got to you know regular salaryed positions to you know where they're going to take you to. Know, uh, and how is that really going to affect you as an overall across the board?
1: Well, for our little company, it's three and a half million. Mm-hmm. Now,
0: Angie. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, but no,
1: but if you take it down, that, I'm just saying, if you took whatever your business is and you kind of scaled it down to wherever or scaled it up, if you're larger, it costs me three and a half million. Uh, insurance now, I just renewed our insurance for employees, it costs $4 million. It goes up 10 to 15% every single year. Uh, so yeah, it, it's just getting to the point that uh, if minimum wage goes up, uh, say to ten dollars an hour. We're already paying a lot of our people ten dollars an hour anyway at the stores, and in some places it's like Colorado. I mean, out in the snow, uh, the west of the mountains in Colorado, where the ski places are, we, I think we're paid uh, like twenty thousand dollars or thirty thousand dollars to be a crew person even. So, uh, you know, so. But point is, so so Maria, who has opened your store and done all the prep and has been with you for 10 years and never missed a day of work, she's now making, what, this little 16-year-old who's never had a job, doesn't know anything about anything, really, comes in, and they're both making $10 now. Is that fair? Heck no. I mean, if I'm going to keep Maria, I've got to raise Maria at least a to keep her happy because she's been loyal to me and she's taken care of... of uh, yeah, our customers have done a great job. I've never missed a day. So I need to pay her $20 an hour. So it's a trickle up that really is going to hurt restaurants and any, any uh, high employee uh, company, large employee company. Um, uh, the, uh, it, and it's getting worse, it's gonna get worse, I think. They're, they've got a lot of things. Uh, uh, Paid leave, uh, uh, sick pay paid leave they want paid leave uh, paid I mean unpaid for the man and the wife they want uh, there's a lot of things like that well I would love for by men to be at home with their new baby for six weeks or whatever they're supposed to be but can't afford it you know I can do what I can but uh, but so it's a real difficult decision and I think it's kind of a moral decision you know uh, that the government comes in and it's just the freedoms that I think, you know. I've always loved states' rights, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> but uh, because no one really knows their people, no one's closer to their people than the state government. And uh, the federal government has made a monkey out of state government and has come in and just rolled over and taken over everything. Uh, so it's just it's really hard. But at any rate. <laughs> We're not gonna give up, we're gonna still try to fill that uh, with uh, uh, NAFTA. All our, uh, you know, a lot of our, in fact, I heard on the Democrat thing last night that they said, you know, uh, that it was, I think they're still blaming George Bush. I think they were blaming George H. Bush on this one. (laughs) But that all our jobs, well, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, all our jobs went overseas. And that, that's what's happened. So we now in America are left with all most of our middle class jobs being sent over, overseas, and so we have no work. Therefore, we have no body, no, uh, no strong American middle class, which is what this country was built on. We've lost that, and you can see it at every. You can see it in our health care. You can see it in all of our businesses. Uh, and the mental attitude uh, for better Wood to lose their job and not be able to find anything unless they're, you know, maybe a greeter at wal or something, but there just aren't any jobs because all the real people uh, intensive jobs have gone overseas. Uh, so I think we could bring that back. Well, that's what, uh, oh, what's his name? He's running for president. Uh, Says he can but uh, it's going to be a long long haul to to get it back to where it was Uh, But we're doing our part. So if you're king of America and all of most of your poor and underprivileged Whatever you do the least of our brother that you do to me Mm -hmm. So you have got an industry that takes care of the least of my brother, the majority of the least of my brother. By the way, we're the second largest industry in America, restaurant industry is. So we take the least of my brother, we train him, we teach him how to look good, we teach them how to talk to people, we teach them organization, we teach them uh, computer skills, and arithmetic, and everything else, and, then they can go on and become a middle class citizen in a lot of things, or even own their own restaurant? So why would you put the arrow on that industry, who's taking care of, you know, the lower class? It's just hosey. So I don't know what what their plan is. So. Uh, but anyway, enough about that. But any other questions?
0: Well, I mean, you, you brought up a good point. I mean, uh, America's economy is, is mostly a service-based
1: yep. economy. Yep. You know, Right. So
0: it's it's you guys
1: are a big part of that. Right, right. Well, and and that's that's true. I mean, uh, a lot of a lot of small businesses. I forget how what the number is, but a lot of business small businesses are service people. I mean, guys who uh, like a lot of you guys go out and work on things and sell things and help people make people's lives better. But you know, the companies can't afford to hire very many of them because there's just not a whole lot of stuff out there, so there's no doubt. If I buy America can do it. I'm hoping and praying that they they will. No matter who gets elected, I'm hoping we move ahead. But uh, I'd like to talk to you about kind of faith and uh, belief, uh, hard work. Uh, actually, even if if you look at it all, even. Even you take each one of of the Ten Commandments, kind of, and you break it down, and and, uh, I've broken it down by, (laughs) for Arby's, or for United States Peace Corporation, and I've tried to put what the Ten Commandments would be if they were, you know, uh, at Arby's, uh, trying to keep it still authored by the big guy. (laughs) But uh, uh, it, it, uh, well, first of all, I'm humble, and I could never tell you what it's done for my family and I, Uh, having faith, having a strong faith. Uh, Working with so many people and so many different restaurants and everything else, there's always something going on There's A manager just had a really great manager die last week of a heart attack and left two little, one boy and one girl with no one. No grandparents, no anything. So uh, you know, we've never had knock knock. It uh, would hurt in a robbery, but uh, you know there always could be. That, that's at night. That's the only thing. When I go to bed, the only thing I worry about and pray for. Well, that's the only thing I pray for myself. You uh, know, is is uh, uh, all of my stores are still open. A lot of times uh, that they are able to close the restaurant and leave safely, and, uh, you know, nothing happened. So, but there have been some tragedies. I lost my mother and father. Uh, my dad was 61 and my mom was 58. Uh, and for any of you who are getting close to those, like, I'm over that now. So, it, uh, it was really, really hard. Lost seven around 95, 96. And, uh, it was really hard to make the transition over. My father was a strong-willed, um, great guy, nicest guy in the world. Would go, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, and then go do what he wants. You know, <laughs> yeah, he did that to health inspectors and everybody else. But, <laughs> and didn't go over too good. But everyone liked him, so they let him get away with it. But, but he was very strong-willed, so uh, i be the oldest son. Let him be I mean to be that was by that was my role I was the servant son kind of that let uh, uh, him he was the man he was the boss, and I never ever assert his uh, authority and responsibility then he died my mom died and, and uh, uh, so we were about a hundred restaurants back then but they died so we've done pretty well since luckily but uh, the the way we've done well is I decided. When my dad died, I was the marketing uh, director, I was the HR director, I was the operations director, I was the IT director, uh, and I don't know what else we did back then, but <laughs> maintenance director I guess. So I was doing all those jobs by myself and we were just, had to make a decision, we were either gonna grow this thing or we were gonna sell it. We decided, my brother and I, and John, decided that we wanted to grow it so we brought, Uh, Bought my brother and two sisters out. And so now it's just my younger brother, John, which a lot of you may know John. Um, He's up in Colorado right now. I can't figure out how. I'm the boss, and he's in Colorado all summer. (laughs) Uh, But uh, So we had to build this organization in 96 when my dad died. So I just went out and found the best, first of all, best uh, treasurer and C, uh, um, VP of finance or uh, controller, whatever you want to call it, that I could find. A guy named Brett Pratt, who's now our president, the first president that's ever been a non-Davis. Uh, Lori Pumphrey is now our CFO. She does a great job. They both, by the way, work for us through, this is something for you might think about. They both uh, worked for Pete Marwick and, and audited our books over the years. And so I really liked them, we got along well with them. And that's why we kind of, uh, you know, we uh, I knew them already, and I knew their character. And I knew that they they thought about people the way that I thought about. Well, you know Brett, and, and I don't know if you know Brett yet, but, and he's a big herd, you know, CPA, OSU CPA, you know, rah, 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 you know big golfer, scratch golfer. Rah, 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 rah. Uh, but he's he's really gentle and kind and good when you break that outer shell a little bit. That's what we want. We want humility and rules are rules for a reason. People break the rules and that happens all the time. You've just got to decide whether it was intentional uh, or whether they did, you know, we never try criti- try never to criticize our people who break a rule doing, thinking they're doing the right thing. Uh, and that's worked really well, but I think upper management, obviously, Sets the stage. How about if you have upper management or just not real understanding of people. Or, uh, yeah, you can't keep them long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just you just you know unless you have the kind of the same thinking all the time. And uh, like I pretty much know everything that all my operations guys are going to do. And, you know, pretty much ahead of time. But uh, it's still. Making that transition from really a little company to uh, a little more sophisticated company. You know, uh, it was a hard hard thing to do, but we finally, you know, we're kind of getting there, but, you know, it's like everything else, you just can never quit building. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where building. I feel like I'm at now, too. It's like from a company, that, not anywhere near yeah. your size, but a company that was, you know, a good-sized company, but now we're, you know, at 100% growth, and it's like, I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like you come in, you used to have a control on where everybody's at what they're doing, and now yeah. you walk in like, Jesus, Yeah. you know, take the will, because I don't know what are going. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. I, I think probably 10 or 15, probably until my dad died, I could wrap a sandwich as fast as anyone in the restaurant and run a shift as well as anyone. Well, now they, they would laugh at me. I wouldn't even know what to put on them. You know, yeah. So it, I think the same thing happens with owners. So that's why the people that you hire, your key people, have to be on the same page with you. You have to know what they're saying or what they're thinking. And uh, you, most, of, most of all is you have to know what they're saying about you and about the company. How many times have you run across people who says, well, they won't let me give you a raise. I'm sorry. Cursed, yeah, yeah that's, you know, that's the wrong thing to say. We can. Yeah. Right, yeah. But they always blame it on the company, right? And the guys who are really good, I think of my company, say, we just can't give you a raise right now, but I'll try to get you something, but these are the areas you've got to work on. And if you could what if you could master these things, uh, not make it a list that you'd have to be like, uh, president of fast food or anything to, to make it, but, but uh, so humility and uh, still working for a profit. I mean, none of us could do anything without making a profit. I know that John and I have never taken a penny out of the company. Every dollar that we've made, uh, we take a salary out, but uh, we've never taken any out on dividends or any of that stuff. Every dollar we make, we put back into the company to open up new stores. And no doubt in the future we'll have to close some, especially with some of the laws coming along, just won't support uh, dollars they're talking about, the government is. But it will be good for a lot of our managers and system managers and all. But what's going to happen is most restaurants are gonna classify those people uh, as hourly people, and they're gonna get shafted. Mm -hmm. That's the way minimum wage happens, anything the gosh darn government does, for the least of my brother ends up hurting the least of my brother, and why they can't understand <clears throat> that if I raise minimum wage, $10, that they're gonna pay more for bread, mm-hmm. for cars, for <laughs> tires, for everything, yeah, and the government. You explain that to them, and... Yeah. So really it's really the same amount of money, no matter how you look at it. hmm so It really is. Except, Guess who makes money on the deal? Yeah, your taxes go up. So, guess who makes money on that deal? Mm-hmm. And the guys who want it can stand up and say in front of the crowds, I got you a minimum wage increase. Instead of saying, you know, uh, I gave you a, b- a minimum wage increase and I should be fired for that. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> I hurt you and your family. They
0: <laughs> you have a coffee too? Yeah. We should be getting people out of minimum wage. Oh, we, sure. You can't...
1: Well, and by the way, I've been around longer than you guys, but minimum wage was never meant to support a family of four on. <laughs> you know, when I was, gosh, it was three thirty an hour forever. But when I first started, it was at $0.25 cents an hour. And it was never meant for to support four people on. So, but they've turned it into now, making it like, that's what. That's not a fair living wage. Well, no, it's not, and it never was supposed to be. It was to help you get through if you could, you know, in between jobs or you couldn't find any. But at any rate, so back to uh, just treat your people the way you want to be treated. It's awfully hard sometimes to make that decision, both on the good side and the bad side. I know I've I always need people, and I had uh, this is about. Oh, 2000, I had all by reasons. I had every, pretty much everything staff, and I had some really good guys on the top. But one of them was just a dishonest son of a gun. And you knew he was dishonest, but he was a great employee. I mean, he knew how to make money. He knew how to, uh, uh, yeah, he did you know all that stuff right. He just really knew how to make money. But he fancies himself as a ladies' man, and he always drove, uh, you know, I don't know, some Camaro or some really fast, heaped up, you know, beefed up car, and uh, got the sunglasses, and it was kind of, you know, the, he was darling to the ladies, and caught him doing it, and oh man, it crushed me because he had moved, by the way, to Kansas City to take care of that market. I had to fire him because uh, I knew there was going to be more problems later on, and. Uh, so you could do everything you can to try to find the right people, but it's really hard to, uh, you know, to make sure that they'll stay the, the good road all the way around. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of basically how, like I said, as far as our faith, I know you'll notice uh, Arby's is never open on Easter and Christmas and Thanksgiving. And Easter's always really a really great day. Uh, Usually, it's pretty study out and everything else. Uh, I get mad because all these other fast food places, Sonic and McDonald's are open, and I'm thinking, look at all that business we could have. But uh, we just don't feel it's right. Uh, if I could go back and do it again, my dad and I almost did this in the mid-70s. It's closed on Sunday. and yeah, I wish we would have done it back then and so we wouldn't have to get used to anything. Now it would be really tough because you lose... Uh, Probably a tenth of your volume, because Sunday's really not a big day anyway. So uh, for us, it's about, except in small towns, it's a big day. But, um, so, you know, we just try to do everything. Uh, we really like to not tell people. We just like to show people, uh, you know, what I've said and what I haven't done, what I've said and what I haven't said. Yeah, we try to keep, you know, that's pretty much the way we like to keep it. Uh, we do a lot of anonymous giving and things like that. I and mean, I can't tell you how many sets of teeth we buy a year and uh, wigs, uh, you know, just different things for your people. And the only way though you could really do it is you have to know your people. Who would say when you, after you grew a little bit, then you didn't know all your people? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that, that is hard. So then those I don't know so I don't know where Yeah, yeah, but I used to know that, too. I mean, I used to know exactly where everybody was uh, before dad got cell phones, but now you can follow my cell phones. But you had beepers, so they had to call me, and I would always uh, get where they were, you know. I knew if they were in Las Vegas, they weren't working, you know. (laughs) We didn't have many stores out there. Uh, but, uh, uh, But, you know, you just have to trust. Those are the kind of people that can really hurt you. Would that, when I walk into a restaurant and no one looks me in the eyes, and everyone kind of goes, hi, you know, and goes and scrambles. They don't come up, introduce themselves. Would I come up and say, hi, how you doing? They kind of go, huh, okay, you yeah, know, I know something's wrong. You know, there's something wrong in that restaurant. Because people who, uh, good people who are happy with their jobs are happy.
0: Young Businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.